much like ours, the bright world of liberty had dimmed considerably when it was believed that Johnny Rocket was lost forever when flashes from an exploding local star ignited the escape pod. Ground Control Man and Ray of Truth Rayleigh Lightheart were coordinating the search for their fallen ally when they witnessed what they identified as debris from the escape pod floating in an asteroid field in a nearby galaxy. At that point, they knew their friend, compatriot, and leader had perished. For several moon cycles, the duo left their communications intact, but both had decided that at the anniversary of the new lunar moon of their last broadcast, they would shut down the launch pad and continue fighting against the state without their fearless leader. Ten moon cycles into this agreement, Raylene was running diagnostic tests on the communications equipment when something strange happened. At first, it sounded like static. Then there was a voice that began bleeding through, like an old AM radio signal had broken into their private frequency, but this was different. No longer did their private frequency have the familiar sounds of the escape pod. No, this alien transmission was foreign to Raylene. Alpha One Niner, request in response. Alpha One Niner, request in response. Damn it, is anyone out there? The voice let go a weary sigh. Alpha One Niner, you are broadcasting on a restricted channel. Identify yourself and explain how you obtain this frequency. It's me, Raylene. This is Johnny. Raylene keyed her own microphone and responded. That's impossible. We saw the pile of wreckage from the escape pod. Hey, and besides, no one could have survived that impact on a deserted planet. I made it out alive, but everything is damaged. My escape pod is gone. The dream has become a nightmare. I was able to fashion an outpost of sorts here on this deserted planet. I don't know my location, but I know I'm somewhere in the voluntary vortex. This has been a very rough, I mean, difficult time for me. But if my equipment can hold up, I'm ready to make a public address once again. I am Johnny Goddamn Rocket, and I will take a hell of a lot more than a mini dwarf explosion to silence this voice of freedom. Blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lighthawk. Hello. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing good. Good. I'm doing great. As a matter of fact, oh, you know, so great. Yeah. Sweaty, though. So it's great and sweaty. At. It has been hotter <laughs> than two squirrels in a wool sock out here. I'm telling oh, you. Sh- oh, sheesh. Arizona is hot. And uh, everyone's just like, <laughs> wait until the summer, dude. Wait until the summer. And here I am. And I'm like, they were right. It sucks. But you know what? I've been outside. I'm getting a tan, a farmer's tan, mind you. You know, because mm-hmm. my job requires me to wear, like, pants, long sleeve shirts, a jacket, and it's 112 degrees out. So you know? very tan neck and very tan hands. Oh, yeah, I got great-looking <laughs> neck and face. <laughs> I and got maybe great neck. My hands look pretty goddamn good, too. <laughs> Everything else, good neck. Whiter, than, whiter than Chris Spangle's ass. All right, that's how white it is. It's pretty bad. But other than that, though, it's nice, it's hot, it's it's beautiful out here. And I'm just enjoying the ass end of summer in Arizona. Mm. Mm-hmm. Moving yeah. out. How, how are you, Raylene? 
I am delighted to be alive. I love my life. Okay. I love my kids. I love homeschooling. I love my family. You got to come out I with love- this positive. Can you bitch about something? I mean, just for once. Yeah, I mean, you know I love to bitch about the state. So, oh, there um, we go. Okay. I, I would like to bitch about the Democrats and uh, Bernie with the population control. Kamala's talking oh, about right. how she's going to limit our meat usage. I, I, I love my vegan friends, but damn, I need meat. I need <laughs> right. meat. So uh, I always think uh, how fun it would be to go to a Democrat's party where they're they're, they're, uh, talking about population control and and shaming anybody from eating meat. What a barbecue. I know. That sounds great. That sounds great. Good times. All right. Well, we got a hell of a show today. I'm excited about this one because he's a Mm -hmm. longtime friend. And Mm -hmm. on September 13th, 2013, Raylene, this is interesting. This is history. The I can't first wait. episode of The Lines of Liberty was released. September 19, 2019, The Lines of Liberty tell their tale about their journey through liberty and six years of creating content. And today, nice. we are talking to Mark Clare about his new and exciting documentary called And Live Free. The story of The Lines of Liberty, directed by Dan Smots of Goulash Media. And for those of you who've been under a rock, the Lines of Liberty podcast has become one of the leading liberty-oriented political podcasts over the course of the last five years. This show has featured compelling interviews with some of the top names in the liberty movement, such as Ron Paul. And I got to thank Mark Claire for getting him uh, on our show, our uh, mm-hmm. episode 50. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. Tom Woods, Lou Rockwell, Jesse Ventura, Julie Borowski, and many more, along with the laid-back roundtable discussions about relevant liberty topics. Mark Claire was inspired by the 2008 presidential campaign of Ron Paul to become an open advocate for the ideas of liberty. Mark co-founded the Lions of Liberty brand website with three of his fellow Penn State alumni. The Lions website soon evolved from opinion pieces and daily news articles into the Lions of Liberty podcast, which a new podcast is on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Okay, Raylene, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Mark Clare! What's up, cats? <laughs> What's going on, buddy? What's up, space cadet? How you doing? Johnny, a, a fantastic introduction as always. You, you really can't beat a Johnny Adams intro. He builds you up like no other. Ah, well, thank, thanks, buddy. Yeah, you, the one you, thing you deserve, I, I will though. correct you. God damn it. You, I, think, I think you misspoke. Uh, you said that you did say the correct date of the first podcast, September 13th, 2019. But then I think your brain got crossed a little bit, as these things uh, want to happen with our ilk. Uh, oh. You said September 19th, 2019 uh, is ben. when the documentary comes oh, out. It's actually the 13th. Well, guess what? It's gonna. It will still be available September nineteenth. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. So, so factually, we're all good. Cool. You know, it's still gonna be there. It's just a couple of days off. Okay. Yeah. It's September thirteenth, two thousand and. Yeah, we'll leave it up. We'll we'll leave it up there. That's a good idea. We're yeah. gonna take it down after one day. But your idea is much better. <laughs> Why not? Why not, man? So that, that makes dude, way more sense, dude. I'm really happy to have you here, and uh, you've been doing some great stuff with the Lines of Liberty, uh, your main flagship show. Still one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. here, here again, you have this new thing coming out, uh, and you have a documentary, which is just awesome, man. What sparked the idea 
for you to do a documentary live free? Like, was it you or was it somebody else? Like, hey, I got this idea. What's the deal? Well, I got I, I to gotta be honest. It was, uh, it was not my original idea, although I've wanted, I, I've always in the back of my mind wanted to eventually do uh, more video stuff. And we did start doing some video interv- interviews last year. Uh, and then again, this year at Porkfest. Uh, but it really was Dan Smots uh, that, that came up with the idea because, you know, we were, we were sort of negotiating. We were going to pay to bring him to Porkfest to do some video for us so we could mm-hmm. do video interviews and that sort of thing. And we were just trying to crunch the numbers and he made a really good sales pitch. He said, look, just pay for my way there and uh, I will shoot and produce and edit a documentary for you. I'm like, all right, we can't we can't turn that deal down because I, I know Dan's really talented. So and we had been wanting to produce some some kind of, you know, next level of media beyond the podcast. Uh, that's why I had planned to do the video interviews, which which were, went really awesome, too. Thanks to Dan. Uh, but uh, you couldn't really turn that down. So uh, Dan did an amazing job. He shot some footage with me uh, driving up to Porkfest from the airport uh, and kind of got my version of how the Lions of Liberty came together. Did the same thing with John Odermatt on the way back, got his version of events. And then uh, I don't want to spoil the surprise, although you can see it if you watch the trailer. But uh, Brian gave his own narrative um, in his own special little way. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and then Dan did an amazing job sort of interweaving uh, the three of our stories about how we came together and uh, why we do what we do, uh, why we do the podcast, why we're so passionate about this stuff, and uh, in, intertwixed, in, in intertwixed, is that the word I'm looking for? I don't know. No, I'm just in, making that intertwined? up. Intertwined? Um, there you go. Intertwined. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, With all works. this footage uh, from Porkfest, uh, from the amazing time we had, you guys were very missed, by the way. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, it was just a really good representation of, I think, who we are as people. Uh, it's our story in our own words and then uh, produced and, and put together in a very entertaining fashion. Uh, thanks to Dan. And we're, we're really thrilled with how it came out. Really excited to share it with people. And, we're, you know, we're hoping this can be a piece of media that people can kind of share around, um, give people a better idea of, of who the Lions of Liberty are, maybe interest more people in the podcast and uh you know maybe be the start of just doing even more and more projects i mean just like you at the Launchpad, we have we have big plans and big ideas and uh we're only limited by uh money. what the free money. market tells yeah, us it's, it's, money. it's exactly yeah, what we're all limited yeah. by is money because we are libertarians exactly. and we're not backed by big corporations <laughs> and political candidates i mean exactly. and, and libertarians just don't have money that's just we we can all agree there you got yeah, like, i mean i I have enough that I could podcast on the side for a couple of years, but that wasn't even sustainable. So I'm so grateful to right. uh, our Patreon supporters for essentially just paying for me to do something I love. I, I know. It's great. We're we're Beautiful. we're very fortunate too. Raylene and I have been uh we've been doing this for a year now, a little over a year. And it's just been great cuz I mean, it's not enough to pay the bills, but guess what? It can buy us some good beer. You know, it, it, it keeps or the a new beer. microphone. Or a new yeah. microphone in your case. She's mm-hmm. been excited mm-hmm. about getting a goddamn new microphone. And, I'm uh, very excited. No, she is. She's totally excited about it. And I, but this is cool. I mean, I love doing this. And even if it's not a lot of money, it's a passion project, you know. And I think that's really what it's all about. And I think that's why you do what you do. I mean, we love Absolutely. this stuff because of our our love for liberty and getting the message out there. Um, go ahead, Riley. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So um, I have a couple questions about this, but I wanted to ask, um, well, in the teaser trailer for Anne Livery, Brian talks about how, what you guys have done on the show and how it'll live on, and it was really awesome. So I want to talk to you about what you've heard people tell you about your show. How have you influenced people's lives in the ways they think? And, and to go the extra mile, what do you hope your personal legacy will be wherever Ooh. your activist journey takes you? Yeah. Oh, personal legacy. That's serious stuff. Mm. Ooh, I like well, you can it. start that's with what, very, what people very, are already th- saying. Th- that's good. That's really good. <laughs> you know, I- 
Yeah, I think podcasting, when it comes to podcasting, you really have to love the process because mm-hmm. it's not the kind of thing where you get a lot of instant positive feedback always. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you feel like you're just doing this for yourself and you can <laughs> right. look at the numbers and you can see downloads, but it can still feel very lonely until you start to hear from actual human beings. And uh, that's been the most amazing part is seeing other people get inspired by the work we do. And that's essentially why we do it in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I think the, the most amazing feedback started to come. Well, we talked about this actually a few weeks ago, Johnny, on my show. But uh, you know, the, the, some of the best feedback I got was uh, when I had Tom Woods on and he aired my interview with him as one of his episodes. And right. then he went on to, like, praise my interview skills afterwards, which was just incredible coming from someone I had idolized uh, even uh, well before he had his own podcast. So that was just yeah. amazing. Yes. But, um, I, Congratulations. Yeah. And I, I think even more so, though, is, is when I find out that other people are inspired by what we do. Like, I, you know, our friend Remzo Martinez, uh, we were one of the very first libertarian podcasts that he ever did. And now he's, you know, he, that guy's just been killing it doing books and podcasts. And now yeah. he's got a killer gig he's at the Washington hustler. Times. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the, one of the biggest hustlers I know in, yeah. in politics, uh, in the liberty world. And, you know, that, that guy just kills it. And just to know that we inspired even a part of that is just incredible. And uh, just seeing other people start podcasts and their own pres- passion projects or people that come together through our podcast. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Pacone is part of your network, uh, along with um, this guy, Ben Panji, who's, who's you know, he's big. They've both been uh, supporters of ours for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually met each other through being fans of our show. And now they have a podcast together called Free <laughs> Markets uh, Great right. Earth. No, that's great. And um, yeah, so it's just amazing to see to actually see tangible results of the work we've been doing and actually see people get inspired and go off and do their own things. I mean, that that is just a payment that, that can't even be described. Beautiful. Well, Beautiful. here's the thing, though. Like, in in your uh, Libertarian uh, document... I wanted to know what legacy he wants yeah, to leave. Oh, we forgot about the legacy. legacy. <laughs> go ahead with the goddamn legacy. All right. That's the best it's part. It's such a, such a big question. It All right, is. go ahead. Sorry. I want to be known as having uh, always have been, having had the best hair. In okay. I was going to say, <laughs> was it the hair? Okay. <laughs> There he goes. Shit. No, but but in all honesty, I mean, I think kind of what I was saying before is what I look at for my legacy. If anything is, is if I could just inspire other people to become like other Mark Claire's or better yet, other Ron Paul's, like people that can really be successful in getting the message out there. Like that, that's what we need. We need like hundreds of thousands of successful libertarians that are accepted in the world because of their success and are listened to and are influencers. And so I want to create as many people that, as many of those as possible. And there are different ways to influence. Some people might just have like a small pack podcast that influences a hundred people. Guess mm-hmm. what? That's a hundred people. I mean, that's, that's still a right. hundred yeah. people. That's that might that's still a hundred people yeah. more yeah. than there was yesterday. You know, so exactly. So I, I'm just thrilled to see anybody uh, branching off and doing their own thing. It doesn't matter what it is or, or what level of success, because no matter what level of success you have or how you judge that, you're definitely affecting people. You're definitely affecting the people around you. Uh, people notice these things. I mean, sometimes I'll get a message from somebody or I'll see someone from, like from high school, like share a podcast. I didn't say, hey, I really like my friend from high school's podcast. I'm like, I haven't talked to you in 20 years. Right. I had no idea you were even listening. So just finding out people that are following what you're doing that you don't realize. That's I mean, crazy. Yeah. There's people that, yeah, there's fans of your show, I guarantee, that you don't even know. You don't even know, no, that, like, you they, know them in real life, but you yeah, have no idea they yeah, like your show because they're, they're funny, quiet about it. You're right, dude. And one of my buddies from the military just randomly last week texted me on Facebook on Messenger and he's like, dude, I've been listening to your show. I love it. I love wow. your ideas. And I'm like, dude, you were a killer like me. We're both flying choppers together, <laughs> you know? And he's just like, no, it makes sense, you know? And I'm yeah. like, boom, you know, we got another guy. 
You know what I mean? He's at least receptive to the message. So uh, here's the thing. What I really want to know is how is your, you know, relationship with the guys like, you know, John Owner, Matt, Brian, Howdy, all these guys. Honestly, we hate each other. No, no. (laughs) Has it like, have (laughs) you guys like kind of grown stronger over the last few years? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I think the podcast is really, I mean, we were all, I mean, me and Brian have been friends out here in Los Angeles for 15 years and also in college. So um, we've always really hung out a lot. Um, But um, I think the podcast has really helped me grow closer in adulthood with people that I otherwise wouldn't see that often or wouldn't talk to that often. You know, Mm -hmm. Rico's out in Ohio, Howie's in Virginia, JB is Mm -hmm. in Philly, Odermatt is in uh, Pittsburgh. You know, these guys are all over the place. And I don't know about you, Johnny. Uh, well, I do know about you. You're, you're a little more talkative than me. I don't really like call people and have phone call conversations with them that often. Like, I just like, yeah. this is not what I do. I'll do quick chats here and there, check in with people, but I don't really have long drawn out conversations for hours. And now I do. I have, cause we do podcasts together. So yeah. I have like multi hour conversations with these people. So of course we've gone, we've gone closer, um, through that over the years. Uh, I and just, that. and, and thanks so, again well, to, um, you are yeah. like this. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and, and even better, we get to have physical reunions now, like going to Porkfest or the LNC, uh, paid for by our patrons. So that's just like an, another amazing perk of podcasting. Yeah. You're, you're living the dream. I mean, that's what people always want when they watch TV shows uh, like Friends or you know How I Met Your Mother, and and people want these friend groups um, with shared values. And you're actually having that. And and you know, I actually had a, a question that was similar, so I'm just going to go ahead and tack it on. What do each of you bring to the table when it comes to the business side of things? Because we really question. see your friendship play out beautifully. I'm just wondering, yeah. like, what do you bring to the table in business, and what are your personal strengths? Why is it such a winning recipe? Ooh, Good question. I'm pretty useless. <laughs> I'm pretty useless on the business side. I just like to podcast. That's not entirely true. Oh, that's not entirely true. But I, I, it's, it's the end of things that I like the least. I know it's mm-hmm. a necessary end of things because we want to take in money. We want to grow the podcast, and uh, you know we have to do business to do that. So cool. But my passion is just producing the, my own podcast, doing interviews, um, all, all of that, that end of things. I just really love doing. So Me if too. I could have it my way, I would have, that would just happen and go great. And I wouldn't have it to do anything, right. uh, but that's not <laughs> exactly. real life. And obviously this is, you know, a, a passion project of mine. I, I funded this podcast by myself for a couple of years before the other guys started chipping in and, and uh, coming on board. So I, I take it all very seriously. So I'm, I'm very involved in, in the business end, of course. Um, but we, we all really do bring, different strengths to the table. I mean, honestly, Odermat is really, really good with like some of the back end stuff because he started a couple businesses around the same time as he was getting involved with Lions of Liberty. So a lot of this stuff, like putting email lists together and like building some basic back end things of websites, that's all stuff he really took to learning. And I mean, that has been a huge help, just like little things like that. Lovely. And, uh, you know, Brian, of course, in his uh, day job is a PR guy. So, uh, you know, he brings knowledge of that area into the table. And also just as far as his podcasting goes, he's just really on point with uh, under being on top of things as, as far as uh, pop, pop culture goes and mm-hmm. uh, current He's events. Stuff that, honestly, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I, I, I barely pay attention to that stuff. Like, I get my news from his podcast. Like, I don't really, <laughs> I'm not as on top of that stuff as a lot of the other guys because I just like, I like to focus on my podcast. I like to focus on the philosophical discussion. Mm-hmm. I catch some of the news items along the way, but in my other free time, I just want to kind of tune out. I want to like, I want to get my mind off it if I'm sure. doing anything yeah, yeah. You know, outside of podcasting. Absolutely. I spend so much time gotcha. podcasting. So that makes sense. Man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then I, I'm the face and the hair, you know, there you go. That's all. <laughs> just, he brings hair to the 
table. There you go. Yeah. No, but yeah, we, we all we all contribute. To, and obviously, when it comes to the ideas and the direction, that, that's the kind of thing we all you know come together on and put our brains together once in a while and try to kind of reposition what we're doing or decide if we want to have a new show or do a new Patreon feature or come up with a new a new uh, special. Which uh, I do have a special that I can talk about later on. But yeah, we're Beautiful. we're always brainstorming new ways we can grow. I love it. Uh, cool, man. Very cool. So I, I, let's just get to know Mark Claire a little more. Maybe because you don't have a, okay. you, you're most of the time you're interviewing people, right? So like, that's true. You, you're not the actual interviewee, right? Not often. Although yeah. this week I've been, I've yeah, been pounding been, them out. You've been all over the goddamn <laughs> circuit, man. Um, you're, you're getting the tail end of the, of the train on that's me. Fine. This, that's this fine. That's fine. I like being the caboose. Uh, uh, all the power's in the caboose, my right. friend. That's right. <laughs> that's all right, because I, I really, uh, I, I really uh, loosen up even more you with you guys. The best for last. And, uh, you're saving the best for last. And I'm drinking for this last. one now. Yes. <laughs> I'm so, drinking, too. I'm having a Moscow meal. I'm just drinking yeah, beer. I, it goes without saying. Yeah. With you guys. So what was the most important lesson you had to learn, right, to have a positive effect on your podcast? And how did that Ooh. lesson happen? Oh man, this guy, this guy with the hard hitting questions. There you go. Most important we want to know, man. People want to know. Like, what, what, what was the most important lesson you had to learn, right? That had a positive effect on the podcast. I think just the. I don't know if it's a lesson. It's just. It's maybe just an acquired skill. Um, the the fact that you get you have to be consistent in podcasting you have to keep showing up you have to be there when your listeners expect you to be there especially as time goes on uh, you know when I first started there weren't that many libertarian podcasts now there's literally like hundreds and thousands mm -hmm. so you mm -hmm. really are competing for competition so you got to show up you got to figure out a way so and that, a lot of times that means recording an interview when I'm just not feeling it you know you we roll out of Dude. bed one day and you're just like I don't feel like talking about yeah. anything I don't you know I just want to be by myself today but you got this interview scheduled it's been scheduled for weeks you can't just cancel it. You got a show coming up in two days. You need to record it. And just trying to, just getting yourself, you know, I, I, I'm not a super like meditative person. No, but you gotta really, get it doesn't come naturally to me. Don't, dude. Yeah. Like, but sometimes you just got to kind of. Yeah. Like there's been plenty of days where I call up Braylee and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this goddamn show. She's like, yeah. you'll be fine. Just take some Tylenol, shoot down some. Beer He's lying. I never tell people to take Tylenol, but I do say, no, get it together, bitch. No, no. Get your coffee. Get, we got this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She never said Tylenol, but whatever. I take Tylenol. No, she teasing. tells me to take some like herbal tea supplement, you know, whatever. Honestly, take some chaga mushrooms. Almost yeah. nothing beats, well, mushrooms might beat it, but almost nothing beats just closing your eyes and taking a few really deep breaths. Like it, it can change your whole freaking game. And uh, I've never been good at meditating or meditation, but I can force myself to do this like three times and Whatever state I was in before I started it, I'm in a much better state after it. Right it's on. really important That's, to be able to change your mind. And it takes like a minute. Mm -hmm. you, you, everybody needs to teach children the skill to change yes. your mind. And there's no oh pride involved in it. Just learn how to change your mind. It changes everything. Can, can you imagine, I'm sure your children probably do learn this kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. can you imagine if we were taught to like sit and take a deep breath once in a while? Like that, that has never yeah, taught to Ma me in, Mark, in school. It is so imperative. And, and a lot of it was because we were in public school or we had, yes. I mean, we just were all taking orders and doing what we were supposed to do mm -hmm. in a totally different world. And now it's once you realize that you can change your mind and be able to see different perspectives. And I'm teaching that to my kids and they're like in the matrix now. It's amazing. They're like slowing right. down time. Yeah, the only power. thing that tells me to take a deep breath is my watch. I got the iWatch and it tells me to <laughs> breathe. It does. It's the only reason he drinks water like, also. Yeah, it's so like, drink like, water, I'll be Johnny. driving and be like, breathe, Johnny. I'm like, oh, I guess I have. Wait, you're curses at you? No, the thing bitches <laughs> at me all the time. I'll be like driving Johnny, down the stop road. stop being a bitch and take a deep breath. <laughs> no, no, the thing will bitch at me. I'll be driving down the road trying to loosen my load. 
right? And <laughs> I got worth of trouble in my mind. And the thing will be like, it's time to stand up. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of traffic. The goddamn walking I can't time. listen to you now. No, I can't listen. He'd be like, you haven't stand today long enough. And I've been, I've been in the car all day. Why don't oh, you know I'm driving but, if you're so smart? Yeah, the iWatch will tell me it's time to stand. You this is why you I'm not going to buy an iWatch. That sounds ho- I don't like being told no, to do. No, it tells me to stand because I have like these goals I have to meet every day. <laughs> so it's like you need to, to walk this much every day. You have to stand for this X amount of time. You have to perform this much exercise. I think and you should you, turn that off. And that you sounds need like to, a boomer thing. No, it's kind of cool because I get these little awards if I do it. <laughs> Like, it's cool. Like, no, it's, you know, it's a little accomplishment at the end of the day. It makes you feel good. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But it makes you feel good. Like, okay, I got a goddamn award for standing all week. You know, like, that's cool. Our body is trained to respond to awards. That's that's why social media is so addictive because you get a like and it creates a little, uh, it releases a a chemical in your brain that excites Mm -hmm. you. That's right. So you want to do it again. So you want more likes. You want more likes. You want more likes. You need more likes. You need to see the likes. You got to check your phone. You got to see likes. And then you lose your mind and and, uh, then you just need a break. Yeah. Yeah, I have to drop it. I have to be able to, uh, Facebook and, and Twitter for me are so, cathartic because I can go on there, distract myself with all these articles and things that are not real life. I I like to drop in and out and I use it as a tool and it's really good for me. But um, speaking of likes and whatnot, Mark, can you share with us what you believe makes a great interview, both in being the interviewer and the guest? Yes. Well, I will play off the aforementioned compliment that, that Tom Woods gave me when I had his his show. Um, and he told me, uh, he said this on his own show when he aired my interview with him. And he said, you know, I, I really love that I can do an interview. And, and and Mark did this great interview where, you know, it's not like I'm, it doesn't sound like I'm just being read a, a pre-planned list of questions and mm-hmm. just moving on, moving on, moving on. And Tom, of course, has done mainstream interviews. So he's probably done so many interviews where the host just is handed a one sheet about him with a list of five questions. And I'm sure he's done interviews is where he just literally is answering questions five in a row with no connection to each other necessarily. It's not a conversation. So right. uh, to, to me, the, the most important skill I've learned uh, that he, he complimented me on is trying to actually have a conversation, like actually listening to what the person says and asking them a follow-up question or segueing to something based on what they said. Not just always, uh, sometimes I'm just done with a topic and I do move on to another question, but you know, sure. just, just the ability to sort of respond and think on the fly, that is an acquired skill. And I did not have that skill when I first started, believe you mm-hmm. me. Um, it is definitely an acquired skill. Uh, I cringe at listening to some of my earlier interviews, but they are there. You can find them and uh, you can I've listen if you like. Stefan Kinsella, man. I've heard your first episode. I've actually gone back and I'm like, God damn, you suck. Yeah. And um, <laughs> no, I, I thought mean, you were going to be like, oh no, you weren't that No, no, bad, you really geez. did. You were bad. But it was okay. You're oh, good you now. St- You're good now. I'm but, kidding. I'm, I'm okay. just being a I was. No, no, but like, but here's the thing. It, you you kind of got to be bad, really for, bad some for being, of time. you weren't really bad for being the, the no. first time you've ever done it, right? I mean, yeah. like, well, yeah. everyone sucks when they first start something. I mean, like, sure. no one's yeah, like instant, instantaneously good at anything. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I can play piano. I can play this one song. You're not going to be that good. It takes a little bit of time. It does because you got to know your equipment. You got to know. How, you know formats. You got to know how to time your shows. There's a lot of things sure. you got to be. And, taking- and really, just being just being comfortable in front of the microphone. It seems weird, but at first, because I had never done it before, even though there's no one in the room, and I, I'm someone who's done like karaoke and stuff, and and, had, and I was that comfortable helped. with that. that For some reason, like sitting in front of a microphone alone with someone that I can't see on the other end was way more stressful than singing karaoke in front of a bunch of people. Absolutely, maybe because of the alcohol, yeah. but and that's maybe maybe that's why I started drinking during podcasts. <laughs> I think that's but you hide behind. 
you're drinking. I mean, a lot of people do drink because they, they, you know, it's like、uh, musicians, right? I was telling somebody, I think it was Spike Cohen.、Uh, and if you think I could talk on the phone, man, I mean, him can go for like days. Like, I, I called <laughs> Spike Cohen up. I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? I wanted to ask you a question about. This program you're using. Next、That's、thing、like、you know. That's like the most music industry name I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Spike yeah. Cohen. <laughs> I don't know if you know、uh, he, He's great.、Uh, but I, I ended up asking him a question about some video project. And next thing you know, it's like the next day, you know, eight o'clock. I'm like, dude, we've been talking for 24 hours. He's like, yeah, dude. I'm like, we're that weird, dude. And I, it, it's weird. Moving along. Yeah, it, that's the thing, dude. It helps when you're, when you're a musician and you play guitar. A lot of people feel uncomfortable if they don't have that guitar because they hide behind it、hmm. when they're on stage. And that's why you see a lot of people with sunglasses on stage because you can't see them. It's like, it's an awful I thought they were just trying to look cool. No, it's a mental, it's a mental、oh. thing, man. It's a lot of mental,、yeah. it's a lot of like you're hiding behind your instruments or your equipment、right. and hiding behind a microphone. Or, you know, when you're, when you're singing karaoke, you know what I mean? You have a microphone in your hand. You know, you have that thing separating you from the audience. Yeah, that's、And、true. It, it's, a, it's a mental thing. So, same thing here. It, it, it's a little different. You know, like I, I don't like giving speeches. I think I'm pretty good at them. I've gotten better, but I don't like speaking in public necessarily. I, I could speak all day on the goddamn internet and on the radio. I have no problems doing it. I'm better at speaking in public, actually. Like, I, I, I weirdly, I do a really good job at that, but I can't do karaoke. I'm terrible. You know, oh, and so, Mark, you have a karaoke business, right? I did for about eight、He、years.、Did. Okay. And I retired. Okay, cool. Congratulations. So, <laughs> all karaoke business people, all the karaoke guys that I know are great singers. So, I'm assuming you're a great singer. I,、um, I am not a great singer. A great I would say singer, I am a,、yeah. I would a say I am like, I'm a, I'm a serviceable karaoke singer. I don't have like an, an actual singer's voice. My partner, my business partner, Jamie, he、mm-hmm. is a truly great singer. He has a really great voice. I、yeah. can pass. Depending on the song, but、so、I can't like that. That's nail what I was going to ask you. What are your favorite songs to sing?、Uh-oh. And did you hope to be in music at one point in your career? I've never hoped to be in music now. No. no. <laughs> okay, what、uh, do you say? What do you like?、Uh, let's see. I actually, I'm a big fan. I did, I, well, the first song I ever did was Toto、uh, Africa. That's the first karaoke song I ever saw. So that is a sentimental、uh, Balls. You know, spot for me. And,、uh, but the, I really love doing Rolling Stones. Okay.、Um, give me shelter, paint it black.、Uh, I, did, I, I, I feel like I can really.、Uh, that's cool. Not do, not do, not that I believe as good as Mick Jagger, but I feel like I can do it justice at least. You know, that's, that's all you can attain sometimes. I actually really enjoy、uh, doing Pearl Jam songs too. I can do a decent Eddie Vedder. Really? Yeah, I think so. And believe it or not, I could do Eminem like a boss. Really? I'm、yeah. not even surprised by I, that. I, I am surprised by that. You don't seem like,、oh. a, like a rap guy. Well, yeah, that's, that's why it blows people's mind because I look like this, this hippie stoner dude. You look then, like you'd、uh, be singing some, like, I don't He's know. like totally tubular. Yeah, you'd be like singing Nirvana or something like that. Or I, I, Soundgarden. I, I don't actually sing that much Nirvana, but I do love Nirvana. You like Soundgarden? Yeah, well, that's that. But they have,、uh, I actually can do a decent Chris、that's、Cornell. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Depending I, on the song. I imagine like more like、uh, frat music, like、um, oh, Dave、God. Matthews Band and Bare Naked Ladies. No, no, seriously. Like, if know, I, I got to confess something. I the first concert、up. I ever went to、yeah. in my life. Dave Matthews. The, I, <laughs> I, 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 I would have nailed it so fast for you. I, I, I get your brand, bro. Yeah.、Uh, When Dave Matthews was,、uh, is in a high school, yeah, musical genius. School. Okay. I didn't like it when it came out because I didn't understand or appreciate what the heck was going on. I just know Dave Matthews and his band. 
I know that they song. went to they went to Africa and were following like Aboriginal people and stuff and learning how they played their music because yeah. they were got out into the real world and really did it. And I have to give so much love and respect to them. So uh, no, so there's nothing wrong with going to Dave Matthews concert. Plus, every concert they do in a row is a little different, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. Hey, so make sure you check out America's fastest growing number one pro liberty radio program. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is on how many nights per week, Raylene? Seven nights a week. There you go. On 190 plus radio stations coast to coast. And it's pro-liberty every issue, every time. So check out freetalklive.com. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Anyways, oh, this is Johnny Rocket. Always launching ideas. And we'll be right back with Mark Claire after this commercial break. So stick around. Rock and roll. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Mark, again, really quick, if people wanted to get your documentary before we get into our next thing that we do here, traditionally, mm-hmm. how, how would people go ahead and do that? Well, I, I think by the time this releases, it will have already been released. So they can go to YouTube, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lions of Liberty. They can go to facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. I'll upload it there, too. That's probably about it. That's, that's where you can get it. I don't know if there's any other site I should upload it to. Someone, it, someone like let on me know. Blu-ray or anything? You know that's not a bad idea, actually. I mean, I don't know how I don't know how that, that works, but uh, you just that's go not to a like, bad idea for a, a bonus perk a for Patreon. Patreon or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, do it for your Patreon. Uh, if they're like reach over a certain threshold per like month, there's a uh, CD replication places that they do Blu-ray, DVD, and CDs, uh, and it costs us because we did our our CD, the music from the show. Uh, I think it was like a couple bucks each to make. And you just shoot them a file and then shoot them a file, uh, they take print it, it give them the artwork, everything. Boom, done. Mm, I'm going to consider this. That's a good, really good idea. Yeah, so but do yes, it. as of now, you can get it on YouTube or Facebook. There you go. All right, man. So what we do here on the second part of the show, it's called Rocket Fire. Rocket Fire. Mark, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically related, and if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Mark Claire, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? Johnny, I was born ready to pay, play Rocket Fire. All here we go. Question one. Does human dignity require identity politics? <laughs> Absolutely not. Quite the opposite. I think human dignity requires um, seeing people as equals in a sense. Uh, equals not in the, the material sense, but 
uh, equals in the sense that we should all have the same rights. We should all treat each other the same regardless of our gender or uh, color or religion or even social status or wealth. We should, And then, of course, that is a society that will bring about, uh, I think, actually more equality in a, in a way, naturally, through the free market. Uh, but, but pinning politics on identity, uh, I understand it's easy to say as maybe a, a white dude um, who grow, grew up relatively easily. I can understand why people that have had you know different backgrounds that have maybe had different experiences with the police or what have you would feel differently. So I do try to say this with empathy, but I think ultimately viewing everything through the lens of race only leads to more division and uh, you know more more uh, hatred amongst political tribes, and it's just not a healthy way to go. So I would say no, dignity does not require that at all. Right on, man. Question two. Is there any theological relationship between the values of U.S. citizenship and U.S. imperialism and military expansionism? And what is your opinion on that? (laughs) (laughs) A theological connection. Between the values of U.S. citizenship and U.S. imperialism and military expansionism. The values of U.S. citizenship and imperialism. I'm not sure I understand this question, Johnny, at all. <laughs> Can I just admit that right now? Okay. <laughs> I truly, I was going to bullshit will... some stuff for you, but I don't know what the hell I would say because I, I, I don't really understand the question. Okay, moving along. <laughs> question three. Are human rights discovered or invented? Uh, well, it depends on how we define rights. I believe that through a, a process of uh, reason and uh, seeking the truth and the truth of uh, the you know the truth of mankind, I, I believe you can discover that if you define rights properly, the way I would define rights as uh, you know the, just a fact, a fact of what they are, your your ability to move and do something that's not interfering, that is what your rights are. So if you define them th- that way, then yes, they are discovered. But if you take a position on human rights where they are just uh, simply things people should have, uh, positive rights, and that is, I think, the view that most people hold, uh, then I would say those are invented by man. So it all depends on your definition. From the libertarian perspective, I would say that rights are discovered, yes. I'm with you on that. Question four. What is authority, and do you need a government to have it? Well, authority can can be either legitimate or illegitimate. I believe you can have legitimate authority that is sort of voluntarily ceded to you. Uh, just to keep it simple, a group of 10 people could voluntarily cede the authority of policing in their neighborhood to a third-party entity or to one of the people in the neighborhood if they so choose. That would be legitimate authority in a sense, it, in the sense of uh, abiding by agreed-upon rules. Um, but uh, authority in the sense that it's simply... a you know, dictating to people what they should do when in in the situations where they do, do not consent, um, I, I would call that um, sort of illegitimate authority. What was the actual question again? What is authority? I'm just ranting about authority. A government to have it. Oh, do you need a government to have it? No, not not under my definition because you can have legitimate authority, and uh, you know that that could be done in many many private uh, sort of organizations as well. So no, you don't need a government to have authority. Rock and roll. Question five. Why were you initially drawn to politics? What was the thing that got you involved? Well, I mean, there's the whole story of, of how I got to where I, I am now. But if we're talking about initially involved, then I would say that probably happened um, maybe when I was like a kid and I, I would drive around with my dad and he always listened. He listened to either one of two things, either 50s doo-wop music or uh, talk radio, political talk radio. Yeah. So I heard a lot of like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, um, whatever else he used to listen to. I don't know, mostly like conservative type people. Yeah. So that's what I was exposed to. Um, and and just, just hearing people talk about politics, I think, is what got me. I, I can't say. 
say I was that interested in it at first, but I would find myself asking questions. And my dad actually told me this story when I interviewed him a few years ago. He said, I used to, you know, I used to always ask questions like, why? You know, why should this be this way? Why should there be a law about this? And if I didn't like the answer, uh, I would just keep asking questions. Like, I would keep say, asking why until I got to what I thought was the truth or I couldn't go any further. So sure. I think my, my mind was always inquisitive uh, in that sense. So I think just, just that, that sort of fact was probably the very beginning before I, you know, had a more conscious involvement. So you were kind of already drawn to politics by asking the question, why? I yeah, like that. I that's so. a good, that's a good, it's uh, a good answer. All right. Question. Why? Yeah. Why? Why is that a good answer, Johnny? Yeah. All right. Question. Tell them that it's human nature. That's right. Question six. What do you consider your most important contribution to political philosophy? <sighs> to political philosophy. Wow. Um, <laughs> Come on, man. I'm, I... some, I'm, not, I'm not holding back on today. Yeah, I know um, you're, you're really not today. Um, <laughs> we're, going, we're going with the Harvard level <laughs> rocket fire here today. Harvard <laughs> level? I mean, yes, yes, I feel it. like so many greats before me have been the ones contributing to philosophy. I, but okay, so it's fair enough because part of philosophy is, you know, getting to the truth and, and the, the bottom of things and being able to share that truth with others. So I think that's really my contribution, being able to filter the philosophy Bam. as described by others and sort of give my own interpretation on it because not every libertarian agrees on every concept. And, you know, being able to hopefully translate that philosophy into a manner in which the everyday human being can actually have a conversation with you because you just can't hand people man, economy, and state and walk away and they like come back to a libertarian in, in two weeks. It does not work that way. I don't think it's maybe it's worked that way sometimes. I don't know, but usually it doesn't work that way. Um, so I guess that's my contribution. Maybe maybe you could call it philosophical translation, so to speak. I, uh, that's good. That's good. I, I'm with you on that, and I think we're all doing that. I think that's what yeah. we've contributed. Because we are expanding people's minds and uh, getting them just the basic stuff out there and sure. making them think. All right, question seven. What is the proper role of political philosophy in relation to real political action? And can there ever be a fruitful relationship between political philosophy and political practice? Well, the proper role of phys phys uh, excuse me, the proper role of political philosophy should be to follow the truth wherever it leads you, to follow reason wherever it leads you, and uh, that and that applies to morality. That applies to discovering, you know, rights and what that means. And so, I think always following the truth. Um, is sort of the way to go. And how that applies to politics is it should be the same. You should follow the truth and apply that same rational truth to politics, which to me means that everyone should have individual rights. Uh, but that is not how everybody else necessarily interprets things, or we wouldn't have to do what we're doing. That's um, right. So the reality of how it plays out, because, of, because we are involved in coercive systems, the result is never going to be good. So until we change the system itself, until we change the foundation and get away from systems that are based on violence, we're always going to get bad results. We're always going to get the worst on top of those systems uh, as long as the systems are what they are. So hopefully um, a, a better application of philosophy is the way to get to a politics of individual rights. I'm with you, man. Question eight. What do you consider the most neglected topic in the late 20th century? <laughs> Not even today, just in the late 20th century. <laughs> yes. No, actually, so you know, I have to think. No, I actually, have to think about the late 90s now. <laughs> I mean, well, we can we can talk about. Actually, you know, why don't we just say now? Let's just make okay. it below. That, that might be a little easier. Are we talking politics overall? Actually, it was, here, a, it, was it was 21st century. Sorry. 
Okay, well, that's a little better. Sure. And we're not at the late 21st century yet, so I don't know. I can't answer for the future either. So. Um, okay, but if we're, are we talking this is like political, though, right? I mean, yeah. Um, are we talking about what libertarians are ignoring? It doesn't or matter. The, it doesn't the matter. Answer however I want because it's rocket fire. That's right. Um, I wouldn't say it's a topic that's, I, I think libertarians don't often address well enough, like, I'm not for the welfare system. I'm not for food stamps. I'm not for any of these things. Uh, but but when we talk about these issues, I think we really need to talk in the sense of not why we need to take it away from everybody. We need to talk in the, in the sense of why people need it in the first place. And I think not enough libertarians get to the core of that. And the reason there's so many people that kind of seek these systems out is besides the fact that it kind of creates a, a cyclical nature of, of being dependent on them once they exist, um, th- we really got to focus on the regulatory system and why so many people are held back to the point that they can't, uh, they don't have as many opportunities. So they do end up seeking welfare. They do end up needing help. And I think we can do a better job of addressing not only uh, why the causes of why people end up in that welfare cycle, but also presenting the alternatives. And uh, I think people like uh, Dan Johnson that we do better is doing a great job of that. Uh, people like, um, let's see, what's his name? Damn it. I'm really blanking right now. Greg, Greg, Greg Lyre, Greg Lyre of Donor That was almost really yeah. embarrassing. Um, yeah. Are doing, are they're both <laughs> A remix version of the answer. Yeah, but uh, people like that are doing a great example of, of some kind of showing people how how uh, you know we can do things differently. So I think that's one area libertarians need should be focusing more on is really not is really presenting the case for a why we need to change the system and, and stop hurting people in the first place. So they need welfare, and b show how you know free market and voluntary associations can do that so much better at the same time. Bam. Wonderful. Question nine. Do you think it takes a certain individual to become a libertarian, or do you think we are all inherently liberty-minded? This is a really interesting question, because they've done studies where, like, 40% of people or 45, almost half of people are just naturally, like, quote-unquote liberal or progressive of that sort of side of things, and uh, the other almost half are, like, Republican conservative, and it really makes you think about genetics and mindset and how much how much is nature and how much is nurture, and I think we're learning that a lot more is is nature than we even realize uh, in terms of the way we think and the way we act. And uh, but there's that small percentage in there uh, uh, that don't apply to either side, and those are the independents slash the libertarians. I would say largely, really more so. Mm-hmm. And uh, it does make you wonder, you know, is it just my personality type that makes me more akin to these ideas because I have a more sort of rational, logical mind? And while I have empathy for people, I don't, I don't get blinded by it. I still try to see what the right, right answer is, not not what the right, not what answer feels the best. I, you know, I don't, I don't want people to just feel good about themselves. I want things to actually be better. Uh, so I try to seek the right answer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was just I'm, rambling. I'm with you. That's, I think that was actually ending my answer. I think it was a great answer. I think it was a great <laughs> answer. All right, man. Question ten: Do you think blockchain technology will change the economy? And if so, how? Well, I have actually an interesting interview coming up with a guy uh, you might want to interview as well named uh, Donnie Gebert. And he has this idea about how we can all do government through the blockchain. And by government, excuse me, we really mean being our own government, being individuals and sort of um, setting up services and that sort of thing through via the blockchain. It's a really Mm -hmm. interesting interview, and I am not (laughs) equipped to speak on it as well as he does. So uh, look out for that one in in Alliance of Liberty Feed near you soon. Um, But I think and yeah, I do do think blockchain technology is going to change. The way we look at politics, the way we look at contracts, the way we look at money, and I'm really ignorant about it. I've listened to a lot of people talk about blockchain technology. I've interviewed people about it. 
I just don't have the mindset to fully grasp it, but there's enough smart people that do <laughs> that I that I, I trust the way they view it that right. I do think it's it's obviously going to have a big impact on the world going forward. Uh, but I do think there's probably a lot of a lot of junk in there too. I think you know 99% of cryptocurrencies are probably garbage that are they're going to fail and will never be worth anything. So I think you got to be wary when it comes to that. But I think the technology itself, I mean, it, it's pretty clearly here to stay and going to change the world in, in ways pro- we probably can't even fathom. Right on, man. And the bonus question for the Harvard version of Rocket Fire. <laughs> do you think the United States will remain a world power? Do, do I have a time period here? <laughs> I mean, you can, I mean, whatever. It's Rocket Fire, dude. Uh, I think, oh, yeah, that's right. I keep asking questions and forgetting that I get to answer them myself. Uh, Yes, but not forever. <laughs> I mean, like, give me, give me your um, prediction. How's that? I can oh, be more man. specific. All the math tells you that the, the U.S. dollar should really collapse and that we should u- lose our, our sort of status as a world power in so many ways. So it's hard to, to see this going on forever. At the same time, it seems to go on forever. And uh, it, it seems that the United States status in the world is, is somewhat unquestioned. Uh, but the reality of the matter is you can't just keep going into debt forever. We can't keep printing money forever. There has to be a point where there this consequence comes. And I think the, the longer it takes to get there, the worse it's going to be. Um, I I, I hope we don't become just a, a, a you know a, a third world wasteland. Uh, but I do think that as as things change for the worse with the U.S. economy, uh, it's inevitable that our status as a world power has to at least uh, be questioned. But there is the little fact that we have all these hundreds of nuclear weapons, and pr- we're probably not turning those off anytime soon. And uh, some other countries are pointing them at us too. And that's probably just going to maintain a certain power status throughout the world for a really long time until right. somehow those weapons are deemed irrelevant. And I don't even know you know how that's possible. So. I think just for that fact alone, the fact that we can nuke the world and many in the world can nuke us, that's going to keep us all at least in some sort of, of a stalemate for you know the foreseeable future. Right on. And that's Rocket Fire. Give it up for Mark Claire. Bam. Good job on the Harvard edition. I love it. It was hard. It was tough. That was hard. That was hard. I was like, okay, I'm going to get Mark on this one. That was the first time I just completely passed on a question. I know, but like, usually I'm like, so what do you think? Do you think we should have a government? I mean, like, I'm not asking. That's so stupid. I mean, like, I want to get a little more deeper. What do you think? Do you think we should have roads and who should own them? And how would we do it? Uh, I'm not going to ask you that, man. Anyway, so we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to wrap up the show. We're going to find out more information about and live free. And we'll be right back with Raylene. So stick around. Minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, minus one. Come on, people, get on the blast off. A blast off. Yes, we're on a trip on a rugged ship. Come on, folks, me. Welcome, Mark. You are awesome. It's for you. It was for you. Don't go you. You were awesome when you don't. When, you when don't I don't, interrupt. I'm not allowed to talk. Yes, we know. Uh, you're going to the corner. In those parts. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway, so we're talking to Mark Claire. Mark, what were you doing during that time? Were you were you baking cookies? I assume. <laughs> what? Well, I was actually just putting my apron away. I just made sandwiches for everybody out on the deck while you guys yeah. were doing that. Okay, sandwiches then. Okay, that's great. Yeah. See, you're awesome, Rayleigh. Thank I you. Love sandwiches. You I'm are the awesomest. Awesome. You it's are. True. You're great. I'm so glad you're my co-host. I am so. He happy. likes the sandwiches. That's all. <laughs> I auditioned for the role, but I didn't. I didn't pass the, the pass mustard. Not enough. Ma- not enough mustard. <laughs> Too much good hair mu- in one podcast. Not enough mustard. You didn't pass. You didn't pass the mustard. Not the mustard. The mustard. That's oh, funny. But he asked for the mustard, and I gave him the relish. Oh, oh there we go. Brutal. Took me a second to catch up. Oh, that was okay. good. That was good. Oh, go. I'm sorry. Oh. That was bad. You're you can't it, be really. condiment jokes. You just can't. Listen, listen, guys. I'm obviously the co-host for a reason. I just my 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 puns are just not as great as your guys's. The dad jokes, though. Okay, God. they're good. Really, you're funny. You just like are yeah. always angry. No, you're not angry. You're just angry at the state. Normally, you're great. You're like I'm so excited. I'm happy. I love talking about liberty. Mm-hmm. I love doing. Raylene, are you mad about anything? Yeah, fuck the state. You turn like in a, it's so funny watching you. Because you're like, <laughs> you have like a cheerful demeanor, right? And then you yeah. mention the state to anybody and they'll just turn around. You'll be like, you, those goddamn, I'm like, holy, it's watching like a horror film when you, you hear somebody talking it, about the government. I try to keep it under wraps, but oh, like. Oh my God, uh, it's funny. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I, 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 I die when I see you get into it. All right, I'm you, sorry. You do. Great. So, back to my friend Mark. <laughs> so, like, I, okay, so I have a lot of questions, but I'll, I'll just do this one because I, I really think this is a fun Man, one. I don't know how many questions I can answer after that brutal Harvard edition of Rockefeller. I know, I know. So, we're going to keep it light. Uh, name the worst three things you can think of when you think of libertarians and also oh. list the reasons you love them. The worst three things I can think of. Let's see. <laughs> you can do five. Um, you can do two. Whatever you need. Neck I mean, beards, you have freedom. Too many of your dudes. Too many of your dudes with neck beards. <laughs> and uh, some of you need to shower more. But no, most libertarians, I'm just really repeating stereotypes. Most libertarians I actually meet in real life are are shockingly normal. Now, some yeah. are a little off kilter. You know, we all have a little touch of the aughts, you could say. But, uh, you know, honestly, I think that's the best part about going and meeting other libertarians is realizing, like, other people are just like you. They're just like people that want to get by in the world that are learning about these ideas and they're excited about it too. And some of us might be socially awkward, some of them more than so than others. But for the most part, you know, I, I like libertarians. I have fun with libertarians. Libertarians know how to party. Uh, libertarians don't give two. <laughs> libertarians are a goddamn blast. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, they are. Okay, I'm going to double funny. up on this yeah. uh, for you because you do a really great job staying out of drama. Um, I always watch I do you. My best. you. You I do really a great try. job. You stay out of the drama. You're real careful. You'll make a joke and then you'll back out and not answer <laughs> questions that people try to get you in the middle of. And um, I, you don't play the libertarian litmus test. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So very pro. Was this something you committed to intentionally or is it just your personality? And has it ever backfired? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I don't think, I don't think it's ever backfired. I mean, I look, I want to be, I want to be here to grow the Liberty movement. I want to be here to, to, uh, help each other, help people see each other's perspectives on things. And, f- you know, I, I know a lot of people in the Liberty movement that I met through podcasting, uh, other podcasters that have feuded with each other, guests that yeah. I've had that feud with each other. And frankly, uh, not to sound like a lame but I want everybody to be friends. Like I want <laughs> everybody, I, and at least I want to get along Can with we everybody. Just get a because, hug, man? Can we get a group hug in here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean 
Johnny's the same, actually. Johnny really wants to just get along with everybody. Mm -hmm. There's definitely like, you know, internet feuds I'll see where I'll be like, I'll have a side in mind of who I agree with more. But at the end of the day, like it's, it's I just kind of see it. I kind of see it in the Larry Sharp way. I look at everybody in this Liberty world as part of some larger family and, uh, you know, families feud and families fight. But at the end of the day, I think all of us are in this for legitimate reasons. I'm sure there's a few snakes here and there that are truly not here for good reasons and are actually here to be snakes. But I think those people are pretty few and far between because if you're going to be a snake, why bother being a snake in the libertarian world? Like what for what? What are you going to get? out of it. I mean, like a nothing, a position of no power. So I, yeah. I, think, I think it's yeah. almost good that we have that, that position in the world. Rising because, to uh, the middle. Is that fun for you? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. We, we get less snakes, uh, I think, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of, uh, the difficult thing about if you want to grow a movement and grow a party per- specifically, I mean, if the libertarian party grows to even like 10% of the vote, let's say you're going to get snakes. You're going to get a lot of snakes because a lot of people are going to come to the party, um, just because it's becoming more popular yeah, and they're going to want to take it for their own control. So it's, right. it's something you have to always watch out for. That's right, yeah. Mark. And they're going to bring in their own good ideas that do not sure. are not libertarian. And, and again, well, and, we, and we've seen this in the past, and that's with the party being small as. Yeah. yeah. And that's good, yeah. though. I mean, I think th- I mean that's been the struggle. We keep it principled and small, or right. big and just a big show. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, have you guys ever gone to caucus for Republicans or Democrats? Have you ever? been in politics of the other parties or do you know uh, anything about them because they're nasty i've never been to like i've seen it on you know youtube videos but i've never physically yeah, i have not myself no. yeah no. uh i caucus for ron paul and it was ugly how the liberty people that were there to caucus uh were treated i mean they were just like jeering at us and angry with us because we were doing so well because we were organized but also, I mean, I know people that are work in the Democratic Party, and and the the, the goes down is scandalous. It's yeah. scandalous, and and we're talking about assaults, and I mean, there's just some nasty going on in politics or politics, and uh, people bitch about libertarians, but honestly, we're the best of the bunch, uh, even in even with all the weirdos. Hey, yeah. hey, Mark, what concert costs just forty five cents? What concert costs forty five cents? Uh huh. I don't understand this question at all. Is this a it's joke? A dad joke. <laughs> Fifty oh, dad cent joke. featuring Nickelback. Bam! <laughs> I don't you, know how that relates to our conversation, but I appreciate ja- the joke. Away. <laughs> that was. I'm sorry. It was good. All right, I just saw it, one. and I'm like, I, I have to interrupt that. the show. Johnny's like doing wheelies on his bicycle. <laughs> we're talking on the porch. That's what he's doing right now. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing keg stands for you guys. Johnny, right not now. We're talking about liberty. Damn it. God damn like, it, hey, hey Mark! Go. Hey Mark! Look at me! Look at me, Mark! 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 Hey, look at this Mark, card at trick! Stop talking about card. Any card? Yeah. Okay. That's so funny. Okay, one more. Uh, did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? <laughs> no, I did not. Tell me more. Great food, no atmosphere. Bam! <laughs> Come on, that's actually. I didn't like that one, actually. The first one was Then why did you read it? See, he literally Googled this with you there, Mark, and he's like, I know, I'm going to find some great jokes. Actually, I had nothing to ask him, so... I do. Okay, so I... I'm like... I got got one more question We were talking about me liking dad jokes, right? So you were like, yeah, I'm like, okay, here we go. He goes, the... the, the." Ground control to earth. Ground control to Earth. 
We have ran out of time with our Mark Claire interview, so we will have to conclude on the Patreon page. If you'd like to hear the rest of this interview, the after party, the all-nighter, as well as other bonus content, we will send you stickers and t-shirts and CDs, and Johnny will even send you nudes if you ask. I'll buy you a beer. Raylene will give you her sandwich recipe book. You can just head on over to supportblastoff.com. Seriously, guys, if you donate, we will give you life advice and newspaper columns. We will give you a shout-out on the show to tell you thank you. We will let you submit questions for the crew. We will even make your doctor's appointments and call your mother-in-law just to show you our appreciation. So head on over to supportblastoff.com. Rock and roll. See you next week.